welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Simple Wishes. Simple Wishes offers hands-free pumping and nursing bras featuring a patented dual-function nursing clasp. And today's episode is also brought to you by our new sponsor, Zomi. Zomi makes breast pumps approved by lactation consultants and loved by moms. And we will hear more about our sponsors later. But you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check out our sponsor page and see if you need anything. See if you can give anybody there your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you're there, you can scroll down and enter your email address and you'll get episodes sent straight to your inbox every Monday and Wednesday. And now Diane has our review of the week. And it also comes from our iTunes. So thank you so much for putting this up for us. From Brie LDC, I started listening while pregnant because I wanted to be more prepared for our afterbirth journey. They answer questions that I didn't even know I had. Thank you, ladies, for such a variety of topics that you cover. I love listening, re-listening, and binging to this podcast. I do have a question about milky milk trays and storage, milk storage. Um, We love them, but are wondering what the best way to store milk would be since mixing milk from different days isn't ideal. We do have info on this, like milk pooling. Um from one of our other podcasts from back in the summer. So I will link it in the show notes, but you can, you can mix milk. Like a lot of people say, don't mix it, but there's really, I thought that the CDC or somebody came out saying that they changed their thing about that. Yeah. Like it doesn't, the, the milk guidelines have kind of come from like food storage guidelines. Like that's kind of what it's based off of. And we really shouldn't be treating human milk like food. Like it is food. Yes. But we shouldn't be treating it like, you know, like that steak that's in your freezer, you know, like it shouldn't be treated the same way. Um, you can, you can mix milk. They used to say you couldn't mix milk, but you can mix milk. It's perfectly fine. Like nothing's going to child isn't going to explode or anything like that. You know, it's totally okay. If you need to mix milk, you can mix milk. Or if you don't feel comfortable doing that, you could just, you know, just like fill in your milk tray as you're, as you have, you know, as you have milk. Cause it's just, you know, the little, the little milk things. You don't have to fill in the whole tray with one pumping session. You know what I mean? Like you can fill it in with different, with different days of milk and stuff like that. But I will link that episode because that episode, and I can't remember exactly when it was. It was in August of 2021. So there is some like the research articles and things like that that talk about milk pooling are part of that episode. So I'm going to link that episode. That way you can go to that episode if you haven't listened to it yet, or at least look at the research articles about it, about pooling milk, and you can feel more comfortable with it. But that's it. And thank you so much for putting that on iTunes for us. Um, We'd love to hear your reviews and the things you like and throw a question in there if you want to. If it's something easy, we can answer super quick before we start our episodes. We love to do that. Um, Or you can send us an email at badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And if you can't put it on iTunes, that you can always do it that way too. So thank you very much. And we've got a Another controversial topic today. I know, we're on a roll. Last week was marijuana. Now we're talking about cry it out. We're on Let's a roll. Go. We are just like really ready to 
buttheads with people. <laughs> yes. So I have to, because this was, I found this to be kind of funny. Abby had a book with all this information that she wanted to share with me. So she took all these pictures of all the chapters, all the pages in the chapters and sends it to me. And I was like, started reading it through the, you know, through text. I'm like, I would rather print it out so I can like mess with it or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like 20 pages here. So I go, where, what book is this out of? Cause then I'm like, well, maybe I could like Google it and find it, you know, whatever. <laughs> goes, what book is this out of? And she sends me the name of the book, sends me the cover of the a picture of the cover of the book. And I ended up having the book. Not only do I have the book, it's signed by the author. Oh. Like I actually, <laughs> so I must have bought it like at a conference or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, so I went through it. I'm like, oh my God, I have this. Not only do I have it, it's a signed copy. Yeah. So the book is The Science of Mother-Infant Sleep. It's edited by Wendy Middlemas, PhD, and Kathleen Kendall Tackett, PhD, IBCLC, FAPA. Um, But it is a collection of a bunch of different articles um, of of contributors, including Tracy Castles, who has been a friend of the podcast. Um, But there is a a section on just Cry It Out. And of course, there's a million places that you can get information on Cry It Out. You can even get information on why Cry It Out is awesome. and I, spoiler alert, that won't be our perspective today. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we, this is just the book that I had and, you know, notice that there was some information in here and, you know, so we'll use some of the information and we'll also just have a conversation about it. What I love, because I was, you know, I, I, I was reading the chapters that um, Abby specifically had pointed out. What I really, what I noticed about this and what I really liked about it was that it wasn't saying, oh, you shouldn't do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, what it was, it didn't even really talk about sleep necessarily. It was more talking about how the stressors of crying and leaving your child to cry, the science behind how those stressors are dangerous. To the and developing thought, brain and to the, the developing, developing psychology of a child. Yeah. And I thought that was they weren't like, oh, this is, you know, Tara, you can't do cried out. You shouldn't be doing it. But it was more of like, this is why it's important for us to have this information. Well, this is what science does, right? Right. It doesn't tell us one way or the other. It's like, here is the information. Here is information. Yeah, it wasn't and even talking about decision. sleep. It was like, it right. was it's necessarily, about- it was about the science of what that, you know, what the, what the crying and what the stress, the stress of. Yes, we on your baby. Like it's yeah. amazing. So that's, what, you know, we're going to be talking about that today too. I yeah. And what I liked about the very beginning is that, uh, cause we had this conversation with Rebecca Miki when she was here, she was talking about the origins of this kind of cry it out and leaving babies to cry. And like, where did that come from? Like, how mm-hmm. did we get, how did we get this? And the first part of this, I want to read cause it's great. Yeah. And it really leads, I think, feel like it really lends just like amazing perspective. And so it says, um, Letting babies cry it out is an idea that has been around since at least the 1880s when the field of medicine was in a hullabaloo about germs and transmitting infection and so took to the notion that babies should rarely be touched. Um, In the 20th century, behaviorist John Watson in 1928, interested in making psychology a hard science, took up the crusade against affection as president of, of the American Psychological Association. He applied the mechanism, the mechanic, mechanist, mechanistic, mechanistic. 
That's the word. He applied the mechanistic paradigm of behaviorism to child rearing, warning about the dangers of too much mother love. (laughs) The 20th century was a time when men of science were assumed to know better than mothers, grandmothers, and families, sounds familiar, Mm -hmm. about how to raise a child. Too much kindness to a baby would result in a whiny, dependent, failed human being. Funny how the experts, in quotes, got away with this with no evidence to back it up. Instead, there is evidence all around then and now showing the opposite to be true. A government pamphlet from the time recommended that mothering meant holding the baby quietly in tranquility-inducing positions, and that the mother should stop immediately if her arms feel tired because the baby is never to inconvenience the adult. Babies older than six months should be taught to sit silently, silently in the crib, otherwise he might need to be constantly watched and entertained by a mother. A serious waste of time. <laughs> This is unbelievably ridiculous. I heard I was listening to. So much of this is so true still today. Yeah. I heard, I think it was on a Tracy Castles podcast actually, where they talked about this. They talked about that whole, it came from not holding the baby because of germs. Like that's. Uh Uh-huh. You know, because people are like, where where did this whole concept come from? You know, and it's like, oh, babies are germy. Like you can't touch them. Like, well, or, or the adults are going to pass the germs to the baby. Yeah. Which yeah. way? I don't know which one. I I assumed it was that. Um, I don't know, man. That they shouldn't touch. Yeah. So so the in the 1880s, when the field of medicine was in a hullabaloo about germs and transmitting infection, and so took to the notion that babies should rarely be touched. Mm. Don't touch the baby because you might pass an infection to them, which I don't, which I don't, I think we know now is not true, but I can also understand that like. Oh, okay. We need to be careful in that way, but it really morphed into this. Like, you know, it's really better for them if they don't inconvenience the parent, and you know, they're they need to, you know, you need to just be withholding. You know, I mean, like too much mother love coming from a man. Yes, from the president of the American Psychological Association. (laughs) It's he was on a crusade against affection. <laughs> like it just he needed to be held more maybe i don't know right i i just i can't yeah so i like to i like to point out whenever i talk about cried out i like to talk about what is cried out and what isn't cried out mm-hmm. because people are like oh my god my baby sleeps in the other room am i doing cry it out well is your baby crying in the other room and you're re- you're not responding because it's different if you're a family, it works better for your family that your baby sleeps in a crib in another room. That works for some people. And so, but when your baby cries, do you go to them? Or are you systematically and like intentionally leaving them to cry and not answering their cries so that they can like, quote unquote, learn to sleep? That's cry it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's also not cry it out if you are about to lose your shit and you need to separate yourself from a upset child who, who's, you know, who you need to separate yourself from, or you might shake them or something, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you need to, I have a friend who had a baby. She was really, we were really young. I know people have babies when they're like 20, but like. I mean, I'm not a good example of like how people should be when they're 20, but like, I can't even imagine. So she, she was like, she called the baby was crying and crying and crying and crying and wouldn't stop. She called her mom and she was like, he won't stop crying. And she was all upset. And the mom was like, take him 
put him in his crib and close the door. Like she was doing a crisis intervention. She was Mm -hmm. like, she's so upset. She's like losing her mind. You need to separate yourself and go calm down somewhere. That's not cry it out. That's just being safe. Right. Cry it out is like when you are intentionally leaving your baby to cry, not answering the cries because you're trying to teach them some level of independence. It is also not cry it out if you're putting up, you're trying to establish some boundaries, maybe like, you know, breastfeeding at night boundaries or like sleep, whatever your boundary is. And your baby is fighting against that. And you're offering a different kind of consoling instead of what they want. Does that make sense? Yes. If you are there, it is not cried out. Right. If you are cry, consoling you are them in there, another way, yes, it is not cried out. Yeah. It is if not. you are just like, I'm done breastfeeding, I'm never going to breastfeed again. And you just don't do it ever again. I don't recommend doing it that way, but that's not cried out because you're still holding your baby. Right. Yeah. Cried right. out is them yeah. crying in a room alone and you not responding. One of the, I can't remember which chapter it was. I don't know. Maybe you noted it. Um, said that small instances of babies crying, like the situation of put him in his crib, walk away, close the door, walk away. Yes, he's crying, but it, it's an intervention, right? Like that is not damaging. It's happening here and there. That's not damaging. No, that's going to happen to all babies. All yes. babies are going to get stressed sometimes. So we just can't avoid that. Right. This is but a totally different thing. shouldn't be stressed thing. all the time. Yeah. And not having people respond to them. When I was um, reading this the other day, as I was like sitting on the couch reading it, and um, my daughter came home from work and she came over to give me a kiss and she's like, what are you doing? And I was telling her about it. Like, I'm reading this about crying, you know, letting your baby cry to like teach them how to, you know, sleep or teach them how to whatever behave, whatever it is. And she goes, she just kind of looked at me. She goes, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like, so this is what happens sometimes. And she was like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> you know what I'm just like? And I, I told her, I knew somebody that I had worked with. Um, she was a mother baby nurse when I was a lactation consultant at the hospital. And she was working with a sleep consultant for her baby who was about nine months at the time. And putting this on social, like putting the whole thing on social media. So, you know, it was all there for everybody to see and um, saying, you know, I need to get some sleep. I'm not sleeping because the baby is up constantly. So I'm working with a sleep consultant who told, you know, did the whole letter cry, whatever. And she was posting on Facebook how hard it was for her to sit there. Oh, it's been 25 minutes now. The baby's still screaming. She screamed so much that she threw up. You know, like it's just, yeah. and it's so hard for me to listen to, but they said, I got to leave her. I got to leave her. We got to, you know, you have to just let her do it and blah, blah, blah. And all that. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And people are like, you know, on Facebook, oh yeah, good for you. It's oh, stay strong, you know, blah. It's like, oh my, somebody go pick up that baby. I know. I remember this in parent groups early on as well. People, posting how upset they were that they mm-hmm. were, you know, they had, they had to listen to their baby cry and how, you know, you're wired to be upset by that sound for a reason. Right. You know, it's supposed to upset you. It's supposed to drive you to, to comfort the baby. Um, and people are like, how do you, how do I do this? I'm so upset. I don't know, you know, what to do. And 
people are suffering. Everyone is suffering. Nobody is happy. And doctors are recommending this all the time, too. I mean, yeah. you know, this is why people are doing it, because their doctor is telling them to. People don't just do it because they're like, yay, I want to listen to my baby cry. Nobody's happy about it. Right. I remember. Where by it? It's, it doesn't cause, you know, and I've heard, I've heard doctors say this. It does not cause brain problems. There is no long-term effect yes. of so letting your baby yeah, cry. Let's just get into this. So the problem with letting babies be upset for long periods of time is, um, oops. The, we should maybe uh, get into it after we do a break. Holy shit. Okay. I know. So stay tuned because we're going to hit we'll the- We'll be right back. Hit the heavy stuff. Today's episode is brought to you by Zomi, breast pumps approved by lactation consultants and loved by moms. Zomi's unique alternating mode design works with you to make expressing breast milk as comfortable and easy as possible. Their pumps have hospital-grade strength, are portable, BPA-free, and best of all, covered by all insurances. The new Zomi Z2 features three different pumping styles, which you can further tailor for comfort, massage, expression, and two-phase mode, expression, and massage. The Zomi Z2 is a closed system pump that prevents milk from back backing up in the tubing. It also comes with a lithium battery and a micro USB port with cable for connecting to a power source, ideal for working and traveling. Zomi understands how crucial breastfeeding and pumping are to motherhood, so they made it easier with their double electric breast pumps. Check out Zomi at Z-O-M-E-E.com and check with your insurance. And today's episode is also brought to you by Simple Wishes. Simple Wishes offers hands-free pumping and nursing bras featuring a patented dual-function nursing clasp to easily switch between nursing and pumping and buttery soft light-as-air fabrics for 24-7 comfort. Simply undo the lower clasp and slide your pump flange into the hidden pump support liner for a hands-free pumping experience. Undo the upper clasp for easy access for breastfeeding. Simple Wishes bras are smooth with no lumps that show under your shirt. The bras are designed to fit every shape of breast so that you don't need to feel uncomfortable while you are trying to pump or enjoy a nursing session with your baby. No one wants to waste their money on cheap products that don't last. Simple Wishes has you covered for your entire journey. You can check out every style of bra at simplewishes.com and use code BADASS30 for 30% off of your purchase. And the... Today's uh, today's sponsors and their promo codes can be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. And also at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you can find uh, all of our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. All right. So let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's talk about how babies' brains die. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> So, um, when that's, a baby, that's not like dark and depressing. No, here. So, what does cryodile actually do? So, neurons die. When the baby is stressed, the toxic hormone cortisol is released. It's a neuron killer. A full term baby, 40 to 42 weeks, with only 25% of its brain developed, is undergoing rapid brain growth. The brain grows on average three times as large by the end of the first year. Um, who knows what neurons are not being connected or being wiped out during times of extreme stress? What deficits might show up years later from such regular distressful experiences? Um, so I don't, that was not maybe the greatest paragraph to read. <laughs> but, um, so cortisol levels, your baby's upset. Here, 
real simple. Your baby's upset. Cortisol levels go up. Cortisol is not good for their brain. End of story. Mm -hmm. Cortisol does damage to the brain when it's around for long periods of time. And uh, that's it. That should be all we need to know. Right. The end of the story. Goodbye. One of the other important things I think that that should be noted is that we have learned that when we leave babies to cry it out, to train them to sleep. After, you know, a couple of days of this and your baby stops noting, notifying you, right? They stop the crying and you're thinking, okay, they're sleeping great now. That's not necessarily true. They're just not calling for you anymore because you're not responsive to them. So they've learned, they have learned that crying doesn't work because nobody comes. Right. And so they withdraw. Doesn't mean that they're sleeping better because they are not. And the research that they've done with this show that those babies still wake as frequently as before. They're just not, you don't know it because they've written you off. Basically, they're like, nobody's coming for me. And that's the message that you're sending to them when you don't respond to them. They know you're not, they think that you're not coming for them, which you're not, which is why they were crying. I mean, that's the whole basis of cry it out. You let them cry until they figure out their own, until they figure it out for themselves. They're, they're babies. They're not supposed to figure it out for themselves. No. And they don't, they don't, they They actually, they actually, they they figure things out through your responsiveness to them. Mm -hmm. People think that if they don't respond to their babies, that they will then learn to self-soothe. They actually learn to self-soothe and self-regulate by you co-regulating and soothing them. That's how they develop those skills. They don't just learn it on their own in the room by themselves. They, it, people think that if you're helping them to, to soothe them, that they're not learning it themselves. That's not yeah. true. That's actually how they learn it themselves. Mm-hmm. That is how they learn it themselves, by you being there and soothing them. So children that have come out of this cry it out, right? They do cry it out as babies. Now they're children. And they are not, they don't necessarily handle things as well. Yeah, right. These these high levels of cortisol, you know, related to stressful experiences consistently throughout babyhood have been linked to all kinds of, you know, anxiety, depression, psychological, emotional problems later in life. Of course, that didn't come from the the director of psychology or whatever not, it was that we were reading from earlier. <laughs> There was, I was years ago, part of this, um, this safe sleep group, which was a little kind of crazy, but there was a woman on the, on the safe sleep thing that was so fearful of babies and sleep. And her mission was, you know, to make sure everybody knew that babies could die while they're sleeping and, you know, all this stuff and just a lot of fear mongering behind it. And there was one time where she was like, I wish we could just put all the babies in the, in a bubble and not touch them. And I'm like, and then, (laughs) no. And I said, you're, then you're creating a society of psychopaths. Right. Like you can't do that. They need that con, that human contact with you. They need to know that they are safe. They need that. 
to thrive. Yeah. So the thing about mammals, right? So we're mammals. One of the characteristics of mammals is that they nurse their young. And so proximity to the nursing parent is obvious. You know, we're not like some like some species of of shark. Jack was actually helping me with this. <laughs> I was like, Jack, you know, like you know how we like you know care for our young. Are there like what animals like don't? You know, he was like, well, some species of sharks don't. They just go somewhere. They they either like lay eggs or they give birth to even live young and then leave. And the babies just, you know, I don't know, grow up and become sharks. But that's fine for them. We are not sharks. Mm-mm. We are mammals who nurse our young. And, and by the way, this is a breastfeeding podcast. Yeah. We forgot to talk about breastfeeding for 25 minutes. Um, cry it out and breastfeeding like really don't go really well together. Mm-mm. Because for many reasons, it's really hard to nurse an upset child. And you can't nurse on demand if you are, for large parts of the day, not responding to your child. Sleep training as a whole and breastfeeding don't really go well together. And I see this, I see this, I'm not going to say all the time, but I do see it. I mean, it's happened very recently too, where people say, oh, you know, the the pediatrician said my baby's not gaining well, um, or my milk supply has dropped. And then it'll come out, oh, yeah, we did some sleep training. So now the baby's sleeping longer stretches. Well, that's why they're not gaining weight. And that's why your milk supply is dropped. Because babies are being sleep trained. And that does not go with, it does not mix well with breastfeeding. So as hard as it is. And this is, this is the problem with our society, right? Because people are like, Yes, breastfeed. We want you to breastfeed. And then they say, but don't sleep with your baby right? because that's really dangerous. So we don't want you to do that, but we want you to breastfeed. And then parents are like, I'm a zombie. I'm not getting any sleep. I need to sleep train my my baby. And they're sleep like young, like three, four months mm-hmm. sleep training babies so that they will, they can get some sleep. So the parent themselves can get some sleep. So they can go to work. So they can go to work. But now milk supply is dropping and babies aren't gaining well because they're not breastfeeding when they spoke. Like it just becomes this vicious cycle, which ends up destroying the breastfeeding relationship. That's what ends up suffering is the breastfeeding relationship. Because then you end up supplementing and now milk supply is dropping and the baby's not like it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Like we aren't, we are not helping parents through this at all. We are no, just it is society is to blame. It's not yeah. parents that are choosing to cry it out because people no. cho- choose cry it out either because they're told to or because they're desperate because we have completely this. They actually talk about this in one of these chapters, too, about how we have completely isolated people, separated people from you know, the extended family, which is what has historically helped parents, you know, manage and, um, you know, raise a baby. Well, it takes a village, right? I mean, that's like a real, that's like a thing that we say. Um, Here it is. The cry it out approach seems to have arisen as a solution to the dissolution of extended family life in the 20th century. And so with, you know, separating people from their, you know, extended families by, you know, work really becoming the focus, um, 
we've become isolated, ways, raising our babies by ourselves, and we're desperate for solutions to get sleep so that we can go back to work, so that we can make the machine work. And it's all at the the detriment of our children. Yeah. And there's, I found a better thing about this. Exposure to chronic stress seems to be associated with physical disorders, for example, cardiovascular disease and cancer, and also psychological disorders such as depression and anxiety. And exposure to high amounts of cortisol that is released in response to stressors has been shown to result in damage to the hippocampus, um, which is involved in learning and memory, and the amygdala involved in processing of emotions. Mm-hmm. It's all important stuff that you're... (laughs) (laughs) The hippocampus and the amygdala, by the way, are really important. They are really important. Um, I can't imagine. I don't know. I feel like we're... Hopefully, we're preaching to the choir today because I don't... I doubt that anybody listening to this is... But this is so you can help kind of like... A lot of this is... A lot of this stuff you guys know, like over the years, if you've been listening, you know or you learned and you go out there and you tell people and you teach Mm -hmm. people and you educate people. So... But I also want people to know, like, you know, because like we say, you are hardwired to respond to your baby. So if you are responding, these are the good things you're doing. Like, okay, you're responding to your baby, but this is this is why it's so important that you're doing that. You know, and a lot of people, like, I never knew the science behind it. Right. Really, it's not just I like this. Right. It's not just like, oh, well, this is a lifestyle choice. Like, I'm just choosing to be. I'm just choosing to respond to my baby just like I choose to be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's a little different. Like this is actually like the way that your baby has been designed. You and your baby are designed to interact for like optimal health in life. And I mean like knowing. It's me, not lifestyle. It's science. Right. And I, I feel really good after reading this stuff and knowing like the stuff that I know, and of course I've, you know, been knowing this for a long time, but I didn't know it when I was parenting my babies, you know, when they were babies, I didn't know. I just responded to them as, as needed because that's just kind of like, okay, this is what you do, right? You're hardwired to respond to your babies. So that's what I did. And now reading, the more I learn about it, the more I know how much it impacts them psychologically and physically when you do not respond to them. Now I'm like, Oh God, I did a good thing. You know, like, and people might be telling you, Oh, don't go running every little thing that they, you know, every time they cry, don't go running to pick them up. You're going to spoil them, blah, 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 this crap. Like, no, it's, you're doing the opposite. You can't spoil a baby. No, you cannot. You can spoil a toddler if you give them a cookie every time that they have a tantrum, but not a baby. No. I had some, like, a family not too long ago asked me about this, about the spoil, like picking up and spoiling. Their baby is three weeks old, three weeks old. And they were like, but is it like if we, re- if we pick them up and hold them too much, is that going to cause a problem? And I'm like, no, because they were like going and talking about like the evening cluster feeding and, you know, when you're newborns and mm-hmm. they're fussy and they need... Well, if we just keep picking him out, like, isn't, isn't he going to learn that that's what happens? Yes. And I was like, no. Yes, he is going to learn that's what happens. And that's what you like, want. It's like, you have to respond to him. You have to. They're like, so what you're, and the dad was funny because he was like, okay, let me get this straight. So what you're saying is 
the more I pick him up, the better that is. And I said, yes. The more he will learn how to be self-sufficient, the more you respond to him. Okay. All right. Then that's what I'll do. Like, like it was, I'm not even kidding. That was our conversation for a three week old. Like, how could we even, how can our society even fathom that a three week old baby should be left to figure his own shit out? I don't understand that. And it's not because I work in this field. It's like, I legit don't get it. Like that's, they're three weeks old. They're, Babies' brains are ridiculously immature. They do not have the ability to figure their own shit out. Yeah, we've talked about this in other episodes that that we are some of the most immature um, babies upon birth. Like we give birth the earliest. You know, like a horse gives birth and then they like stand up and walk around. <laughs> Elephants, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, but but humans are so. As we were, you know, we were thousands of years ago. Like, um like hunched over and we could uh, bear babies later. But as we became more upright and the canal, the birth canal became narrower and smaller because now we're upright more, we have given birth earlier. And so our babies are, the human babies are some of the absolute most immature upon birth. You cannot, there is no reason to, to think that you're spoiling or somehow doing something wrong by picking a baby up too much. It's just so so weird. I know it can't happen. So that's a little bit of the science behind. Yeah. I want to end with this paragraph because the very last paragraph of this chapter of this book is really awesome. Okay. Um, Ultimately, this seems designed to not only reduce one's reliance on others, but can have the unintended consequences of our becoming completely alienated from those from those others. When we have what seems like an ever increasing incidence of lone and very lonely people perpetuating acts of violence against others, it might be that we should as a culture start asking the question as to whether the costs of our preferred child rearing strategies might be too high. I did read that. It was amazing. It's amazing. Way to leave the... Look around. Look around at all the fucked up people around you. And let's just think for a minute, like maybe why don't we try something else? (laughs) Why don't we just try something else? Let's just try it. Mm -hmm. We'll just try it and see what happens. That's a great way to end it. Yeah, it's pretty bad right now. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.